0: Welcome to the Beyond Intuitive Eating podcast, hosted by me, Beth Basham. I am a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and liberated body coach. I'm also a wife and mama to two amazing little people. With over 20 years of experience, I help women bridge food freedom with optimal health using principles of intuitive eating, foundations of emotional mastery, functional medicine, and neuroscience. This is the space where you get to end the war with your body and discover total confidence and true health from the inside out. Welcome back to my three-part podcast series on how to overcome triggering food and people, where I'm going to get more granular today on how to tackle those triggering food situations that pop up more frequently during this time of year. I've decided to release this series right as we enter the hustle and bustle of the holiday season because it's usually when this question comes up with my clients, but please note this information can be extremely useful all year round because foods can become an issue any time of the year, especially those we've classified as bad, forbidden, or special. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, I want to invite you to go back and listen to that episode first because I cover a lot of ground about what triggers are in the first place, how to navigate them with more grace by redefining what a trigger is and how to use the practice of self-awareness to begin noticing how your body feels in response to triggering moments in your life and very specifically with food and certain conversations with people. In other words, the first episode will really set the stage for what I'm about to talk about today, how to deal with all of those fancy and tasty holiday foods that might start to fill up every corner of your home and the holiday parties you attend this year. I know for me, when I was still deep in diet culture, I had a frantic fear of weight gain. I dreaded the holidays. In order to eat the fancy holiday goodies, I calculated how much I'd have to run to burn it off. Even when I started to embrace the intuitive eating pathway, I still felt a bit out of control when I wasn't in my normal food environment. So I want to tell you first and foremost, that this is okay and quite normal. Many of my clients have told me that they feel like they're able to self-regulate the intake of food on a day-to-day basis when they're in their normal environment, but once those holidays hit and they're surrounded by these foods that are only going to be around for a limited time potentially, they find themselves going a little nuts, getting stressed out and overeating then having subsequent guilt and just that feeling of yuck after they've stuffed themselves with any one particular food item. So if that is you, if you're feeling any anxious emotion around food and the foods that are going to be around this holiday season, uh, maybe in the past or the present, you're really concerned about what's going to happen to your body during the holidays, I want to invite you to listen in because today is going to be really helpful for you. So let's go ahead and dive in. And the first thing I want to point out is this idea of food neutrality. I'm a huge believer in neutrality or the middle path with many things in life, and food is no different. It's not good and it's not bad. I started to talk about this a little bit in the first episode, in that food itself, okay, food, (laughs) the apple pie, the cookies, the candy, it isn't yelling at you. These pieces of food or these meals aren't yelling at you and telling you to eat them (laughs) or else, right? It's just food. It's very neutral. It's just different nutrients and different combinations sitting on a plate or a napkin in front of you. It's not the food, it's the stories that we've created about the foods that get us riled up. Maybe when we were a kid, our caregivers told us how much of these foods we could eat or not eat. Or we overheard comments from our caregivers about how certain holidays goodies would lead to weight gain and how weight gain in and of itself was a terrible, terrible thing. They might've made comments like, I am being so bad today eating this. And when you hear that tape over and over and over again, and you grow up in a circumstance where either your food intake was controlled or you heard adults around you talking about how they needed to control their food intake to be healthy or to be seen or to be loved, it's likely that unconsciously or consciously it's still affecting us today even if we think that we're quote unquote over it. So when we look at a specific food, it's not uncommon to immediately label it as good or bad. And when the holiday season comes around, there's a good chance that a lot of the foods coming into your home or the ones you're being exposed to are likely on that bad list. And they become bad or they're special treats that we only get a certain time of year. So we have this duality happening. We have a part of us that's like, oh my gosh, this food is so good. You know, my grandma used to make this when we were growing up and I love it. It just brings this emotional connection to a moment or an experience in your life. I know for me, our family makes Kringla every year and English toffee. Those are the two foods I associate with the Christmas season. And I just get all these warm, fuzzy feelings when I think about consuming one or both of those foods. Right? And so when I was in diet culture, however, I had to limit and restrict how much of those foods I could eat. And it was oftentimes a lot of labeling of, you know, the English toffee is really high in fat and calories and sugar and the Kringla is so easy to overeat. Uh, and so I would get into these tapes or narratives that the food itself, the Kringla and the English toffee were bad. And especially because it was only offered one time of year, I also wanted to take advantage of it, right? I wanted to eat those foods. And I did find myself in certain moments eating those foods almost in some type of rebellion where I just eat, 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 and override my body's cues of hunger and fullness and just eat the food because it was there and it was limited and it was labeled as special in my brain. And I didn't listen to my body. And this all has to do with the fact that I labeled it good or bad, right? And the other thing about this time of year is that it's not an uncommon time to use food in general to support challenging emotions of this time of year. I'm not going to go into grief and some of the other big emotions that can come up for individuals during the holidays because there are so many, but I want to tune you back into an episode I did earlier about emotional eating. It's called How to Stop Emotional Eating Fast. Uh, That will support you if this is you, somebody who is looking at emotions during this time of year and witnessing, you know, you're using food to support your emotions. Uh, I talk a lot more about it in that episode. So I want to refer you back to that because I could talk about that alone for this entire episode, but I'm not going to. Okay. So I just want to clear up food is neutral. It's not good or bad. It's not yelling at you. So if we can start to practice that mindset and see food as it's not right, it's not wrong, it will really help level the playing field so that we can start to pay more attention to our body's cues doesn't always happen overnight. It is a practice, but it's a great first step to start practicing that now before you step into the holiday party, before you're surrounded by a lot of distraction with friends and family where it is easy to, you know, load up your plate with a little bit more food and and feel bad about it after the fact. Okay? So getting out ahead of it is always such a great strategy in my opinion, really looking at how we react using that self-awareness to plan ahead can be really important. And finding neutrality with food is a great practice to start now so that you're not feeling overwhelmed or triggered in those moments to come. So if we're feeling good about that, I want to talk about something else that can be really supportive during this time of year with food. And that's a method. This is a mindfulness method called distract, don't deprive. And I want to preface this by saying this is not meant to be a technique to prevent yourself from overeating. Okay, It's not intended to be used to undereat or control your calorie intake. And good, bad, or otherwise, some of the mindful eating stuff out there is really built around this concept of Control and limiting your calorie intake so you can potentially lose weight. I mean, it unfortunately has been a little bit uh, pulled into the diet culture mentality. So I want to point that out because this technique, as I'm going to describe it to you, is really to teach you how to honor your hunger and maximize that personal individual satisfaction factor that can come along with a mindfulness practice with food. Okay. So the first step of the distract, don't deprive method is to make a plan. So this is, again, getting out ahead of it, make a move your attention plan. So I want to use the example of you're stepping into a really crazy holiday party scene, whether it's friends or family, doesn't matter. Just lots of distractions, right? And you're sitting, you're going to be sitting down at a big table of food and there's going to be all your favorites there, whether it's savory or sweet. And you recognize that in the past, you know, you, A, have labeled the food good and bad, <laughs> no problem there, but it's possible. And you also recognize that it's really easy for you to overeat in these situations and then feel guilty and uncomfortably full and all the things, okay? Um, so I want you to first determine a distraction task to be used later. It doesn't have to be anything huge or significant. And, you know, if you're doing this in your day to day life, it could be as simple as changing your laundry, doing the dishes, making a call, going for a walk, checking your email, something of that nature. For the purpose of the holiday parties and some of those more distracting environments, I might invite you to make an intention or a distraction task that could look like connecting with your grandma or, uh, checking in with your kids or, um, you know, going to the bathroom to freshen up—something you know, like that—where it ties into what you're actually doing at the holiday party, right? <laughs> because there's a good chance you can't change your laundry in the middle of a holiday party. So that that distraction task might be really helpful if you were uh, at home and just you're know, surrounded by foods that were triggering at home. Um, but it's not going to be helpful in the situation of holiday parties, which is kind of where I'm focusing right now. So if you're listening to this episode after the holidays and you still want this information, just please note that you can create another simple task not related to a holiday party, right? So you pick something like that. Some of my clients also like to tap, like use tapping. Uh, If you don't know what tapping is, just a quick FYI, the long acronym is uh, stands for emotional freedom technique. It's something I teach my clients. Uh, and so if you don't know what that is, don't worry. Just pretend I didn't say anything. If you're really curious, you can go Google it. Tons of resources online. But some sort of mindfulness, excuse me, some sort of mindfulness technique like tapping or breath awareness can also be a distraction task to be used later. Okay. So you set this up ahead of time before you even walk in the door. Okay, step two of this is to go ahead, go to the table where all the food is and portion out a really neutral amount of food. Just portion out the amount of food that you're desiring, then put the serving dish away or just walk away from it, right? Ideally, this amount of food is enough to satisfy you, but not so much that it will make you uncomfortably full. And that might be a bit obscure. It's okay if you're not really certain about what that amount is. I know so many of the clients I work with are still discovering that. They're still learning about their body. How much does it take up to fill up my belly? How much is too much? How much is not enough? This is a practice, and each day it might result in something different. You know, on days that I'm really active and I've gone to the gym, maybe done a workout. My plate is probably gonna be a bit more full on days that I'm a bit more sedentary, staying at home. Uh, you know, it just snowed here about a foot. So I'm not doing too much movement. My appetite changes as a result of that. This is a skill that you learn over time as an intuitive eater, as somebody making more peace with food, etc. and so forth. Probably a great podcast for another day. But for the purposes of this, I want you just to make a guess and don't let it mean too much. Step three, enjoy your nourishment. And this is where the mindfulness piece really becomes really helpful. Sit down as undistracted as possible. Obviously at a holiday party, distractions are normal, but just maybe take a couple of breaths and enjoy the food you portioned out. I like breathing. I like taking three or four slow, deep breaths. Actually, I like to breathe into my heart. I do something called heart-centered breathing. And this just connects me to me. It calms my nervous system down, and it allows me to just pay attention. You can do this in a holiday party. No one has to know that you're breathing slowly and intentionally. I promise. I do it all the time. (laughs) So once you do that, you can connect to this gratitude that you may have for the food and remind yourself, this isn't really important, especially if you're that person who sees these holiday foods as these limited time. I only get this food right now. I must make the most of it. Need it all, right? Which is, there's not a problem there. It's it's okay. Um, But I want you to remind yourself and be grateful and remind yourself that you can have this food at any other time. So back to my example of Kringla and English toffee. Truth be told, I don't make Kringla and English toffee other times of the year, but I could. I could. I know I have the recipes for both. The ingredients are available all year round. I can make those foods in the middle of the summer if I wanted to. Okay. So just remind yourself that this food is not limited. You could make it or have it at any time if you chose right? And that will take some of that pressure off the limited timeness of eating the food, which I know is really real and really felt. So I want to honor that. So after you've taken your breaths, connected to a bit of gratitude, just start to take notice of all five senses while eating and enjoy it without the guilt. And this ties back to the first point I made, which is food is neutral. It's not good or bad. Allow yourself to be the curious observer of what's going on in your body. Again, recognizing fully that you might be distracted. It's just an intention of coming back to, okay, how am I feeling? How am I feeling? What does my belly feel like? What does my energy feel like? How, you know, what is, what's going on with my sense of smell, with my sense of taste, with my sense of touch? It's not about trying to change anything. It's about just becoming more aware of it to whatever degree is possible in the hustle and bustle of a holiday party, right? I will tell you this, all these steps may or may not work for you, (laughs) especially if you've never done this before. So just pick one of those things I said, the slow breaths, connecting to gratitude, or taking notice of your five senses. You can literally just pick one of those and practice them in the most undistracted way possible. And I would even Suggest practicing these things before in your home environment so you can just start to feel what it feels like to do the things I mentioned as well. So, practice before you go to the holiday party or event or, you know, week with family. I know for us, we're going to be traveling across the country and we're going to be spending about a week with our family. And so, it's going to be a lot in a short amount of time because we haven't been back to my husband's home for quite some time. So there's going to be tons of distraction. I'm probably just going to have my breathing practice to ground me. And that's it. And that's okay. Maybe some gratitude. I may or may not be able to take notice of all five senses. Okay. And that's okay. As an example. Okay. Now, so step number four is to distract yourself. So when you're done eating the nourishment, which might include a food that has previously activated that trigger inside you, just gently nudge yourself to do the task set aside in step one. Remember that one? So what did I talk about in step one? It could be going to the bathroom and freshening up. It could be checking in on your children, talking to your grandmother. It could be a lot of different things, but go back to that. This is why we decided this early on is so that you would have it ready to go when you feel that trigger inside saying, eat me, eat me. You must eat more food because that's what you've always done and you have A subconscious or conscious brain habit that might be screaming at you to give you more, and there's no need to resist this voice. You don't have to be like, "No, I have willpower this year," right? Because that's a really common thing for dieters or previous dieters is, "I'm just going to use willpower and get through." And that's that's deprivation at its finest. Okay, so you are distracting, not depriving. Just moved. to your plan, move your attention and allow yourself to follow through. Okay. You want to really avoid using restrictive self-talk like this is all I can have, or I can't, or I shouldn't have more because what you resist in life, food included will persist. It will persist. Therefore you aren't saying no, you're just saying not right now. And this helps teach the brain that it's okay to delay gratification. This also gives your uh, digestive system time to register fullness so that you can check back in. And this is where the final step is such a beautiful step. After you finish the distraction task, go to the bathroom to freshen up, you have a conversation, you reevaluate if you want another portion and repeat the steps if necessary. You might want another portion. And guess what? uh, Guess what's up? (laughs) Give it to yourself. No problem there. Okay, have a second, have thirds. It's all good. The point isn't again to deprive yourself, but to distract yourself so you can delay eating until you feel safe and confident with the choice. And this empowered emo, this empowered feeling, will really be supportive for you long term. Okay. So the last thing I want to share with you today, and there's probably so many other things because I've worked with clients on this particular issue and we all, they all, they, we all have different solutions that work best for us. But this last thing I want to share with you, I think is maybe one of the more important And if you have listened to this podcast or continue listening, you are going to discover that I am a huge proponent of self-compassion and self-forgiveness. And when we get in these holiday seasonal times and we're distracted and we've got a lot going on and we want to fall, not want to, but we tend to fall into some old habits, it's so easy to get down on ourselves, feel bad about how we responded to the food environment that we overate ate beyond fullness etc so when and if this happens forgiving yourself when it doesn't go perfectly is probably going to be the most valuable tip i have for you you are not a perfect person neither am i and that is perfect you don't need to be perfect I find that people join the intuitive eating journey and they see it as another set of rules, right? There's 10 pillars in the intuitive eating world. We must follow all 10 pillars to be quote unquote successful as an intuitive eater. No, that is not true. (laughs) You do not need to be perfect. You are an evolving human being on this planet in this time. You have a journey and a path that's unique to you. And there are going to be ebbs and flows on that path. There are going to be days when you feel on it and you're doing the intuitive eating work with confidence and empowerment. And there are going to be other days where you don't. And both are okay. Okay. So forgiving yourself, being self compassionate when the talking, you know, the talking points I shared with you today don't work. (laughs) Don't blame yourself don't blame me either. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't blame the messenger. Uh, no, for real though, like don't blame yourself and forgive, forgive yourself knowing that you will have more opportunities to support yourself as you move through the next holiday event or seasonal, whatever. Okay. So that's what I have for you today. Again, I'm sure I could share more, but I hope that helps and to, episode, part two of how to overcome triggering food and people, I shared some concepts such as this idea of food neutrality, a mindfulness technique called distract, don't deprive, and this huge yet short (laughs) idea around forgiveness that can really support you as you're coming up against triggering food during this holiday season. So I hope that was helpful. If you have any feedback, Please find my contact information in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening in today. I am so grateful. If you enjoyed this podcast, I ask that you share it with a friend who might also benefit. And if you want even more support on your food and body journey, please check the show notes for information about my free Facebook group and private coaching opportunities. See you next time.